0: The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct.
1: What is up, everyone? We are back. I think I remember how to do this. Welcome into the Drum Candy Podcast. We are kicking off Season 5 with Episode 1 here today. We took a little bit of a break uh, at the end of the summer and towards the fall there, so those of you who stuck with me, thank you for your patience. We just had to take a little bit of time to regroup. I was getting personally a little bit exhausted. I needed to take a little break. I've been doing podcasting for almost seven years straight, more than seven years pretty much if you count my previous show. So I feel like I was getting a tiny little bit burned out on it, not because of I didn't love to do it. It was just a lot of work, and we have a lot of other stuff going on. So anyway, long story short, we're back. I'm getting the show back to its original concept, which is more of a variety show with interviews and gear stuff. And we go through the warehouse and pick some things you might want to check out over at Drum Factory Direct. So we're back, and we are going to kick off This first episode of the season with um, it seems to be a fan favorite, our Ten Reasons to Love. We have a two parter and we'll do the first part of Elvin Jones. But before we get to that, definitely have to give a huge shout out to our intro beat provider, Simon Treasure over in the UK. Um, He's actually sending two beats I think we're going to run with this one for a while Because this one is super cool Uh, A little bit about what he did The concept was to build a groove around a set of bongos That I recently acquired Aiming to use them in an atypical way I processed the bongos with some EQ and delay And then played a drum groove on top Using my 1970 Ludwig Super Classic Kit Which sounds amazing 1965 Acrylite Snare Can't go wrong Vintage Sylgen A hi-hats Always great Histable Agop cymbals And some Roots EQ mutes to deaden the drums So, Simon, thank you so much. I know you sent this in several months back, um, so thanks for your patience. And you're going to be our theme song for a while. So, again, go check out Simon Treasure. You can find him on Instagram and all that. All right, let's get to the show. I do want to bring back some news. There's a lot of things happening, and I want to make sure that you are, are aware of it. You might not be like me and nerding out on every possible drum industry and music industry uh, blog, but I just saw just this week that Dream Theater has announced that the original drummer, Mike Portnoy, is coming back to the band, so if you're a fan of Dream Theater, and if you're a fan of the original incarnation of Dream Theater, they've got the original lineup back. I don't know what Mangini's doing now, but he was incredible. I'm sure he'll be totally fine in his next endeavor, but yeah, for Dream Theater fans, original lineup, I'm sure they're going to be touring all over the place. You might want to go check them out. And while we were on break, uh, Germ Factory Direct got a new shipment. So if you were looking or waiting for a product to come back in stock, a lot of hoops and lugs and that sort of thing. Um, if you haven't gotten your email notification about it, go over to the website, snag it before it runs out because those things are hot right now, hoops and things are running out the doors. So go check them out. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, tons of PA, Percussive Art Society news. If you're not aware of the Percussive Art Society, you should join. It's not very expensive and you get access to decades worth of great content from percussive notes and there's blogs and job postings and scholarship opportunities. It gives you access to PASIC um, if you want to go, which is coming up in two weeks from now, a week and a half when this episode comes out. Uh, DFD will be there. We do have a booth. We will have some things for sale, practice pads and some heads and some other things. Um, and what else? PAS, yes. I w- recently elected the president of the Pennsylvania chapter of PAS, which I'm super excited. And along with me, we have Nick Costa over in Philadelphia. We have Sean Kennedy over in the Philadelphia area, and also from Drum Factory Direct, Maya Willie. So that is our cabinet for the Pennsylvania chapter. I'm president, Nick is vice president, Sean is secretary, and Maya is treasurer. So if you're in Pennsylvania, Again, make sure you join and we'll see see a whole bunch of activities coming up, especially we have a Facebook page, not that anyone really loves Facebook anymore, but that's our only actual outlet, official outlet. So go follow the Pennsylvania chapter Facebook page if you want to see what we're up to. Also Percussive Arts Society just produced a pilot issue of its first drum set magazine, an actual print magazine, which I had the good honor of helping them create um we are selling the magazine at drum factor direct and a lot of other there's drum shops kind of scattered throughout the us that bought a box that they're selling they will be for sale at PASIC. um so if you want a copy and you're not anywhere near a drum shop that has them we have them over at drum factor direct super cool we've got pocket queen on the cover Obed Calvary is inside feature, Connor Dennis inside feature. We have an archived Max Roach interview that was only available to uh, Percussive Arts Society members for decades. Um, we have a lesson, a transcription of Max Roach stuff, tons of cool content. So go check out, check out drum set magazine by the Percussive Arts Society. All right. Last little bit of news before we get to the meat of the show. Um, there's a bunch of cool records that I saw came out. First of all, New Rolling Stones, Hacky Diamonds, Steve Jordan on drums. It sounds freaking killer. I don't know how these guys do it, but they still sound modern and cool and they're rocking. So check out that record to hear Steve Jordan really kind of embracing that role with the Rolling Stones. Um, my favorite band, Wilco, just put out a new record, Cousins, with Glenn Cochie on drums. Check that out. The amazing jazz drummer Allison Miller put out a record called Rivers in Our Veins. Go check that out. And then lastly, John Schofield just put out a new trio record. He's going under Uncle John's Band is the name of the record. That's with the amazing Bill Stewart on drums. So there's a handful of records to go check out. All right, let's get to the main section of this episode. I have my good friends and personal drum heroes, David Throckmorton and Thomas Wendt back here in the studio. This time we are doing 10 Reasons to Love Elvin Jones. And what I'm doing is I want to divide it in half. So we'll get half the choices this episode. The remainder of the choices will be in the next episode. And then we will post the full segment as his own separate thing over on the Drum Factor Direct YouTube channel several weeks from now. So if you're not subscribing to that channel, make sure you do so. All right. So 10 Reasons Love Alvin Jones, um, spoiler alert, he's mine and Throck's personal pick for the all time greatest drummer, greatest drummer of all time. Tom is pretty much there with us. So we're a bit reverent in this, this episode. Um, so, but yeah, it's a lot of great music, so let's just get right to it. Ten reasons, the first five of ten reasons to love Elvin
2: Jones. Thanks. So we've
1: arrived at Elvin Jones. Yeah, man. It's like we waited almost too long, but... Um,
2: hey, man, so you, gotta, you gotta save something.
1: <laughs> just to jump in real quick, for anyone who's new to the show and hasn't been following this series, this is David Throckmorton, legendary drummer here in the Pittsburgh area. Um, one of my favorite people and musicians, and also a fellow Aquarius. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you gotta save, save some of these <clears throat> titans, you can't do them all, all at once. Right, and, Elvin and this
1: is actually ten plus one reasons to love Elvin Jones because Tom, you threw in an early session. I think we should just go right away into yeah. this sucker. Yes,
3: yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah.
1: And this is Thomas Went, amazing, amazing drummer here in Pittsburgh and also a professor of jazz history and drum set at Duquesne University. Oh. So,
3: um, Elvin was of course from uh, Pontiac, Michigan right outside. Uh, Detroit, and his the early part of his career was in Detroit, playing at uh, classic clubs like the Bluebird Lounge, um, among many others. And he he made his first records were made in Detroit. I think the first session he did was in 1952 with Kenny Burrell. This is for also from 1952. This is this is a this is just sort of a fun record to listen to. Uh, so this features Thad Jones and Billy Mitchell. I believe it's Billy Mitchell's record, the Great. Detroit tenor player. Um, I believe Terry Pollard is playing uh, piano. And the singer, uh, who is billed as Sonny Wilson, is actually a young Jackie Wilson
0: hmm.
3: who sang Lonely Teardrops and uh, Read Petite. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's just a blues, but let's, let's, we'll take a listen to
1: it. All right, this is going to be the most polyrhythmic stuff ever. Here we go. <laughs>
0: Baby
3: just kind of a classic early rhythm and blues record you know and he's just he's just playing a slow shuffle and you know making it happen but it you know he he comes out of that tradition you know of black american music Mm -hmm. and you know people you know we all love to talk about all of his innovations of course which are you know amazing but you know he he was a very good drummer you know he could he could take care of business with all kind of different bands, you know, from a, from a young age. And he was also very, he played timpani uh, when he was in the army, you know. So he, he was very, he's a lot more sort of schooled than some people might think, even though he was so unique and, you know, unorthodox in many ways. He, he was also, um, he was a pretty studied, studied drummer.
1: Was he the youngest in his family? Uh, yeah baby. So, yeah. so who was all his musical um, siblings?
3: Uh, Hank, the, the great pianist. Hank Jones on uh, piano, and Thad Thad Jones, the mm. trumpet and cornet player. I mean, it's a kind of amazing that I mean all three of them are in, very essential to jazz. Yeah, you know, I mean, Hank is like the dean of mm. jazz pianists, and I mean, modern big band music would not be what it is without Thad. I mean, it just wouldn't you know so it's kind of amazing that all three of them made these incredible contributions to the they're music all really
2: different you know
3: very different and there's only a handful of records that all three of them are on together mm-hmm. which is they're kind of fun to to hear so i didn't choose any of those for this
1: what year was that again 1952 1952 so what was happening in jazz music in 1952
3: no, well, was, it was that was sort of a little slightly in between period between sort of bebop and hard bop, between cool and avant garde. I mean, all these titles mm. are you know in some ways sort of silly, but the early fifties is interesting, you know, because by that time Charlie Parker had totally influenced everybody. Right. Um, but there was also people like Lenny Tristano, who we talked about in the other episode. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of cool jazz was starting to form, and then you had third, the beginning of third stream, like mm. the Modern Jazz Quartet, um, and then you had the you know early rhythm and blues, you know, which started really in the 40s, but by the, by the early 50s, that was a huge part of the black American music market. You know, By that time, it had sort of begun to overtake jazz a little bit as far as record sales go. You
1: know. It's cool to hear his roots, and it reminded me of that documentary... The different drummer—is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he goes back to his church, and it's like, oh, yeah. that's where all of it comes from. Oh yeah, Just absolutely. You can see it all. So, with that in mind, does it? Did any of us pick anything from his early mm-hmm. jazz era?
3: Oh yeah. So maybe we should go there before it we start getting into funny. the wild stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah we, so we can kind of go chronologically. That's that's cool. So let's do um uh, Naptown, USA. Got it. JJ Johnson. Right. So. Uh, To my knowledge, Elvin moved to New York in the er, late spring or early summer of 1955. The first record he made in New York, to my knowledge, is that very interesting record date on debut with Miles and Britt Woodman and Teddy Charles and Mingus, where they do Alone Together and Nature Boy. It's very interesting. I was going to choose something off that, but the drums are not recorded great on Mm. it. So I chose this instead. So in in the summer of 1956... Elvin joined uh, the great trombonist J.J. Johnson's Quintet, which was a really great band. He was with them for a little over a year. I think he left in the fall of 57, I think. Um, And just great swinging straight ahead sort of bebop type stuff. Um, The reason I picked this, we're going to hear the eight-bar exchanges. This is rhythm changes, I believe. Naptown, USA, J.J.'s tune written for his hometown of Indianapolis. And let's listen to it, and then we'll kind of talk about what he's doing. All right, here we go.
2: snare drum wasn't
3: it Mm -hmm. yeah sorry it's not rhythm changes. my fault i'm that's all good my 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 ages (laughs) turned into an old guy um so you know for me it's interesting to hear i love these 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 early jj records he's on several and they're great records it's a great band and he to me that's obviously elvin but his style, his mature style is not there yet. Yeah. You know, you can sort of hear him playing a lot of the, the the jazz drumming language, or at least some of it, you know. He's doing it in his own way. I mean, that yeah. cymbal beat. And you can sort of hear that his phrasing is starting to, yeah,
2: it's a, to happen. It's the beginning of it, kind of. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting, because for me, <clears throat> listening to his evolution is really fun. Listening to these records, listening to like... Sonny Rollins at the Vanguard mm-hmm. from the fall of '57. That's sort of like when it's getting closer, and then you hear like the Coltrane at the Vanguard in November of '61, and it's like that's mm. that's sort of when it's sort of like ah, there's mm. the, the the whole picture, you know. So it's you know he's swinging, and it's great cymbal bead. And what year was that again? Uh, summer July of '56. And then when was the first one?
1: '52.
3: So five years. Interesting. Yeah, about. F- Yeah, roughly four, maybe.
1: Four years? Yeah, four and change. And then four years later from that,
3: he's Elvin Jones that we... Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty remarkable. It is, it is. But it's sort of cool. I love hearing that development. It's really interesting and informative, just as a drummer, you know, to hear how somebody kind of figures their thing out. The Sonny Rollins at the Vanguard is really fun. I didn't pick anything off that. Same, yeah,
2: I love that one. But that,
3: if, you know, those of you who might be checking this out, if you're new to Elvin... Check that out, because it's it's almost, it's to my mind, on that record, his style is at about 80%, 85% developed, you know? Mm. It's really interesting, really, really interesting. I wonder what, because he, he talked about in that documentary how, like, he got
1: a reputation for being hard to play with. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear any of that in this, so when did that become, like, a thing? I, that's a good
3: question. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think... I mean, who knows? I guess, guess maybe is, that.
2: My guess <coughs> is probably as he started
3: really developing, developing that style that we <laughs> yeah.
2: know as Elvin. You know, we associate with train and all the other stuff. I mean, I don't know, man. A lot of stuff even later. Like I, I think he's. I don't think he sounds like he'd be hard to play with.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I understand why people might. Somebody might think that they hear all the solo vocabulary and all the. Yeah. stuff that we associate with elvin but i always think it feels good
3: Mm-hmm. totally you know? yeah i'm not sure who i mean it's so
1: inspiring how can you not be excited when you hear that
2: i mean i can see maybe like it's it's too strong of a voice for somebody's mm-hmm. idea of what their music is mm-hmm. like maybe mm-hmm. they want something to just just to be mm. part of the band and not i totally not yeah be like this statement
3: i totally understand elvin that. definitely has a
2: oh yeah it's like here it is you yeah. know here's my this is what I do.
3: He has a very strong pers- musical personality. personality. Yeah. There's a what
1: I'm sure you guys have seen it. He's sitting in with the Ellington band or something. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: think I've seen
3: that. And it's 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 um, two what, drummers. Yeah. Sam's in the band, right? It's not Sam. It's not Sam. It's not, no. I'm pretty sure I it's not. I can't remember, but it's it's a very very interesting it's, video. You haven't
1: seen that? No. Oh Man. I, I will. That it's like, very Elvin's interesting.
3: the guest drummer, and
1: whew, yeah, it's like what is happening, like. I wouldn't even say it's good. It's not even close to good. It's, it's like it's very happened? it's weird.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. I could see that getting in my reputation. Like whoa, what just happened? Yeah. But I love it. So, <laughs> it, should we keep going in order or do we do jump Do you
2: have more early stuff?
3: Or? Uh yeah, I have I have I have, I have one more. I okay. Think. What's the next? Uh let's of? do a Verdandi. Okay. So, this this kind of is a good when this in the summer of uh 57, 1957, um, JJ's group did a European tour, and while they were over there, the rhythm section in that group, which was Tommy Flanagan, uh, Wilbur Little on bass, and Elvin, they made a trio record called Overseas, and um, it's a great trio record. This is sort of the, when people talk about, the few people that talk about Elvin's brush playing, mm-hmm. when they talk about it, this is, this is one of the records, and so this, is a, this, was, sort of, this was sort of a drum feature. Um, And it would be for Tommy Flanagan's trio, kind of for the rest of his career. The tune is called Verdandi, which uh, I'm not exactly sure what it's named for. There was a hotel Verdandi in Oslo, but it also is—it's a term that means something. I'm not sure, but anyway, it's Elvin playing brushes, and we're going to hear the the head um, into the the piano solo. There's there's a few little exchanges, but check it out and Mm -hmm. talk about it. So, I mean, for me, the first thing that I hear is he's getting an absolutely beautiful sound out of the snare drum. Mm -hmm. Um, It's swinging. He's not playing the hi-hat very loud at all. So you get all this this beautiful sound. And in those little exchanges during the melody, you can hear how good his hands are. Mm -hmm. I mean, to play brushes at that tempo with that clarity, it's like... I mean, I could tell you, I've been trying to do that for 30 years. <laughs> and it's so hard. I, I send Throck text messages all the time that just say brushes are hard. <laughs> Cuz they are. So I mean, that to me that's a window into just how good of a of a player he was as far as his hands go mm-hmm. because to to get that kind of sound with brushes, you got to have some really good hands. Plus it swings and he, you know, the ideas are really cool. Yeah, really great. You can definitely hear like Max's influence you know tap tap. Brrr, brrr, mm. brrr, you know I mean that's all just bebop beautiful bebop language you know I used to play this CD like every day really just trying to
1: figure it out yeah never and I realized that he digs in pretty hard when he's, when he's swishing like for me to match his sound it's like there's a, you gotta dig in a little bit more it's not like a delicate swish
3: yeah I, I wish I, I hear what you're hearing and I don't disagree with it I wish I could go back and watch him Mm-hmm. Like, play like that. Because it would be so fascinating to see how how much is he really digging into the head. I mean, he was playing a calfskin head, most likely. Which, for brushes, are, like, the greatest, you know. So, there's there's a lot of interesting things to kind of, you know.
1: What's the ballad on uh, My Favorite Things? This, the first ballad.
3: Uh, every Time We Say... You go, I can't remember which one it is. But that's the one where I really was like, oh, he's really... Pushing, yeah. Like he get to get that fullness. Yeah. There's. I have another one with the playing brushes for later. So, but let's let's get to one. Of-
1: All right. So what do you got, Throck? Where do you want to go? <clears throat> contemplation um, drum thing, or you know, folk song studio. Re- just
2: just, just going that way.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. So we're jumping ahead a bit for contemplation, aren't we? Oh, yeah. This is so. This is so great.
2: This one. We'll talk about it after. But every time I hear this, I just. I really love the recording of the cymbal. Yeah. Like, if I think about it... You, you s- love
3: his cymbals on this right? Yeah, I just
2: can't get enough of the cymbal sound <laughs> and the, and all the stuff he gets out of it. Um, there's just so much to say about him. I mean, he he's just, you know, he's probably my favorite drummer ever. Um, you know, depending on what day of the week, top two or three, always. No, you're the
1: same. Um. I would argue that he's potentially the greatest drummer of all time for impact and originality and, and
2: there's legacy. Just something so I I I, I have a hard time me, arguing with that. I mean, yeah, he's just something else, man.
1: You wouldn't have rock and roll. You wouldn't have Mitch Mitchell. You wouldn't. I mean, yeah, it's so deep.
2: And yeah, just the just the, you know, I always talk about this. Uh, there's like a, a breathing that happens in his playing. that's kind of it's amazing. It's beautiful push and pull, and it never, f- I mean, at times you can, on purpose, make it stretch even further than maybe somebody might totally want to hear. But as a, if you were playing with him, but I, I just love it, you know, and let's listen to it.
3: All right, here we go, from the
1: top. Just, yeah I mean, like i'm hearing it for the first time too the way him and mccoy play together it's yeah, that bass line is so
3: it's him. it's such beautifully just regal yeah. gorgeous music <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean it's so amazing <laughs> and there's no it's not contrived it's so like honest like there's no like we're trying to be cool here there's yeah. none of that it's just like this offering mm. you know it's so wonderful heavy heavy now where does that fall in the Coltrane timeline um towards the end okay rough not at yeah towards the end so by that point him and
1: McCoy are are completely in each other's back pockets absolutely just unreal how he can play those lines and also keep that bass line locked with ron carter and elvin's doing his thing
3: over top of him. And when like, mccoy what? plays those notes, <laughs> that's just like god just like opening up the you know it's so beautiful man <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, it's amazing i mean that music is you know it's and yeah the way his
2: it's, it's like he unlocks like you know that there's these rates of subdivisions that exists. Yep. You know, there's like sixteenth notes, there's eighth notes, there's triplets, and somehow it's like Elvin has like more rates mm. that aren't necessarily <laughs> mathematical. Yes, and it's like he's found a way to in the way he pushes and pulls, find ways to just play with time. You know, that that's such a huge thing I like about a lot of drummers like, that I love Steve Gadd does that mm-hmm. in a different way, mm-hmm. Blakey does that I mean so many, everybody, I mean Steve Jordan does that, Elvin mm-hmm. does that it it just, I'm so I don't know why that affects me so much as a player, like hearing people just, I think it's like partially, partially maybe the, the control the drummer has over rhythm mm. and and you can say no nah, like, we're going to be patient with this or we're going to make this a little more urgent and I just I can enjoy that in people's playing you know
3: I agree I think there's a
2: there's personality in that
3: there's totally personality but I think I think a lot of what you're talking about is the power of rhythm mm-hmm. and when you manipulate it that's can have this emotional yeah. effect on people
2: and I think mm-hmm. too like this might not even relate but like you know and, and I'm you know we all have our strengths and our giant holes of stuff we haven't checked out. But I'm just thankful that when I hear music, I mean, we all have our tendencies of what we what we were drawn to and what we're not drawn to. Um, and, you know, the grid is fine. And I and that's I do tons of grid playing and playing on, you know, even subdivisions and things like that. Um, and I'm not trying to over-explain. But some music, jazz music, is like this when i hear like stuff out of, like african traditions where there's hand drumming and voice mm-hmm. like i've always been drawn to the sound of that and and to me it's it's the unfamiliar nature of i like, I don't know what that is mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i know when i hear it i get excited about it yeah. and and i don't even want to speculate on the how these all tie together um, <laughs> but all that exists in this music to me in, the, in like you know in trains music and elvin playing there's this there's a little bit of a unf- like when i was a kid hearing it it's like man what what are they doing I, it's like a uh, do you know what i'm saying it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a hearing a new language you're like man i want to figure out absolutely what that is and, and that's still a, a huge thing with me with playing is is trying to embrace maybe um not being afraid to try things that that might be a little mm-hmm. odd and trying to see what you can figure out. That might sound like bullshit. But,
3: no. No, I know. think that's
2: real. Anyway.
3: All of that. I and mean, yeah. It, all it, of that.
1: Yeah, here at Afro-Cuban drumming, it's like, what is what is happening? There's that rip between triplets and sixteenths, and yeah. even within that, it's kind of like, what is, what is this formula? <laughs> what is and, happening?
2: And, and sometimes I, I like if, I, if it's, we're talking more traditional kind of hand drumming and stuff like that, um, whether it's Cuban music or like stuff like more African, like it's I almost don't want to know too much in a way because it keeps the mystery more exciting for me. I always
1: felt that way about Vinny. Yeah, I didn't want to know what he, what he's doing. Oh, yeah. It's wow. so overwhelmingly foreign. And yeah. wow. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, the
2: band leader in alto saxophone is Steve Coleman. Yeah, he's someone for me. Like I listen to a lot of his music, and it's and it's like. I almost don't want to know too much.
3: Yeah. Mm. No, I totally get that.
2: I, I like being like, man, I don't know what's going on, but I, you know, you can kind of find some things you can relate to, and I could probably figure out a way to play with it. But I, I don't want to. I, I like the mystery in it.
3: There's something about not analyzing things, and I think when you're a player, you're trying to learn. But I think, for me, like just hearing that clip, I mean, when Joe Henderson comes in with that <laughs> melody, it's yeah. just like, yeah. It's a you know, and I just why I just want to feel that because that makes my life better. (laughs) You know what I mean?
2: mean, Yeah.
3: And I don't want to be thinking like, oh, we started on the E flat, and then he played the tri. It's like, (laughs) come on, man, it's music. (laughs) Enjoy it. You know, there's a place for analysis. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I think at the end, it silly phrase, but at the end of the day, it's music. It's supposed to affect you emotionally, and you know what I mean. And I, I that this stuff is certainly all that. I think Elvin's another one where you transcribe it, and it's
1: like cool triplets and a couple sixteenths. <laughs> yeah. You know, like all that brush stuff. I mean, you transcribe
3: it, it's like simple rhythms. It's like But Alfred you can't <laughs> transcribe what he's doing, <laughs> no. though. And that's what makes it so awesome. That's that mystery. Yeah. You listen to it and you go, okay, he's, he's doing this, but it's, it just, like all great art, it just is what it is. Yeah. Million yeah. <laughs> ways to play a triplet. Right? Oh, yeah. well, he found them. He found most of them. <laughs> he,
2: that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Always got, like, you know, infinite variations of the triplet. Of a triplet. Totally does. You know, in its Absolutely. own way, you know?
3: Well, we're speaking
1: of, of the new language. My first pick was is Ding-a-Ling-a-Ling, an open solo off of, originally the record was called "Young Bloods," I think. Yeah, wow. And they gosh. reissued it as something else. Um,
3: yeah, what was... Oh,
1: man. I think it was from the Early '90s. Yeah, my, my Nicholas brain is was in the band, but when I heard this, it was exactly that. It's free. He's playing with timpani mallets, so it's like a whole like. This opened up
3: an entire. Oh, I'm glad you chose the yeah, world glad you chose for me.
1: This. Yeah. Um, I was way into classical percussion at the time, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can use my timpani mallets on the <laughs> drum set," <laughs> <laughs> you know, all this stuff. Elvin could do it, man. And it's like a seven minute open free form, no structure that's transcribable, but yet he's just speaking. So here we go. First minute. Was a minute and a half and it felt like it went by in a second to me like I yeah. could listen to that all that was amazing day. that was a minute and a half <laughs> yeah
2: it's it's unbelievably amazing and and this is silly but I love that I love that the snares are on I love I was thinking the same <laughs> thing like, like 99 out of 100 drummers or 999 out of 1000 you play with Miles, you're going to turn, the, turn snares the snares off,
3: off. I love yeah. that there's,
2: there's, there's a tune that I picked out of a of a Joe, off of a Joe Lovano record. There's a tune on that album. Trio Fascination? Yeah.
3: I almost pick one from that. I'm glad you and did. And there's a tune on that
2: record where he's playing mallets yeah. and the snares are on. Yeah. And I always think like, oh, he probably just forgot to turn the snares off. And as soon as I hear this, I'm like, no, he's just leaving them on and playing the snares on. Now here, Which is
3: now, kind of amazing. It is amazing. Now, here, here's a funny thing. If you, those of you out here who are, uh, uh, are into Elvin, listen to uh, Dance Cadaverous from uh, Speak No Wait. Evil. If you listen to that he starts out and he hits the snare and the snares are off and you hear him go and he turns the snares off. It's literally going to say the exact same thing. You can hear yeah. him go yeah. <laughs> but you hear him go like, <laughs> like uh. Yeah. And that I mean, God, that tune. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Sorry I'm getting off topic, but anyway. Yeah, yeah I love the you fact know, that uh, he left them. There's a screen.
2: um I had a guy recently who's come up to see me play so if he hears this i i won't say your name but i apologize he's a nice cat and i haven't heard him play drums yet but he, he showed up at some gigs i've played out of town and occasionally he'll ask me about something and and um and recently i spoke with him on the phone and he was like what what like what, what what's so great about alpha and I mean, he might not have said that exactly what like what is it why do you like it so much mm. and i'm just like what what is there not to like? And I think I think sometimes you just if you come from a different thing, and I'm not saying this is where this cat comes from, but if you come from hearing pop and rock and you know and modern country and or, or even fusion or whatever, and you've never heard that, like the, mm. the mallets and the, the the organic nature of that, it might seem like so unfamiliar and just Absolutely. maybe maybe even off-putting to somebody. But but man, like as soon as that started like you said you could hear it all day I'm just like man no one that can only be one person absolutely and it's so special and it's Mm -hmm. beautiful and
3: And it just gets better and better
2: that's why I love so much and also I'll say this too about Elvin I don't go back as far as some of the recordings Tom knows but I have some early stuff as well and with Elvin more than maybe anybody else from the earliest recordings to the day he died. I love all of it. Yeah, me too. With certain drummers, I have periods I really like. Elvin, it's like anywhere along the line. It always hits me the same way.
1: Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating his 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee or call 615-383-8343 or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. All right, we're going to cut the segment there. I know it kind of sucks to do 10 Reasons to Love and only give you five, but we have so much more I want to do in this show, so I didn't want to have the full hour just be that. So wait till next week, you'll get the rest of that. There's plenty of music to listen to in those five picks. Right now, I want to share a little lesson that I put together. Um, I was working on a variation of of Elvin Jones's beat for the classic John Coltrane song, My Favorite Things, where he kind of settles into this two-bar... Repetitive cycle, and I transcribed it, and it seems super cool. So I just want to share that here, kind of break it down. So if you want to give it a shot, here it is. My favorite things. Since this episode is all about Elvin Jones, I wanted to share a sort of a amalgamation of a groove that I came up with that's based on Elvin's playing on the classic John Coltrane track, My Favorite Things. Once they get into the solo section, where they're just jamming over at the vamp, Elvin sort of settles into a two-bar pattern that um, he kind of sticks with, with just some variations throughout, which is part of his genius. He can kind of play a repetitive groove, but just keep growing it and, and varying it in slightly little tiny ways. Um, it's pretty magical. So it's a, again, it's a two bar pattern. It's in three, four. Um, I'm just gonna play the whole pattern first without a metronome, so you can hear that. So here's the whole pattern. Now here's that pattern with metronome. <BUR ajuda bag> <People Valerie> a,
0: on a right. pattern with metronome. 1
1: All right, now I'm going to slow it down to let's see what tempo should we go to. How about 1 30. That was at 178. So we are going to drop it down to 130. 1 I'll play the whole
0: pattern. 1
1: Now Elvin doesn't play that exact thing, but what I built on is based on what he plays. He plays it mostly with the snare jumps. Let me play that pattern that's a little bit more true to what Elvin plays. Alright, now I'm gonna play that pattern up to speed, so kind of more true to Elvin's pattern on
0: My Favorite Things. God, addition, 1,
1: Alright, now how the heck do we break this down? The first thing that I did was listen to the ride cymbal. It's a two bar pattern. He plays the skip beat on beat three of the first bar and then the skip beat of two in the second bar. So one, two, three, a one, two, a three. One, two, three, a one, two, a three. Sometimes he plays the skip note on beat three in the second bar as well. So that'd be one, two, three, uh one, two, uh three, uh one, two, three, uh one, two, uh three, uh one. I'm leaving out the skip beat in beat three for my version of this, but so that's the ride symbol. Let me play it. So that's kind of the ride cymbal vamp. He does accent the end of three in the first bar a little bit more than the rest. But again, this is up for interpretation. We're not trying to play exactly like him, just trying to glean something unique that I felt was a useful groove, um, or or a really fun groove for myself. So you got the ride cymbal. One, two, three, a one, two, a three. One, two, three, a one, two, a three. Next thing that I added was the bass drum, which plays a pickup in the one, ba-boom, two, Three, a uh, one, two, a uh, three, boom, boom. Three, a uh, one, two, a uh, three, boom, boom. So he's effectively playing this in six, four. One, two, three, a uh, four, five, a uh, six, boom, boom. Two, three, a uh, four, five, a uh, six, boom, boom. So let's try that with the bass drum. Alright, now what I thought was the hippest of this whole pattern was what he does with the left foot. He creates a two bar pattern again, so it's on beat two of the first bar, the end of three in the first bar, and then two, three in the second bar, so One, two, three, one, two, three. One, two, three,
3: one,
1: two, three. Or sometimes he leaves out beat three in the second bar one two three one two three one two three one two three creates this loping almost like triplet against the three four kind of feel when that all fits with the ride symbol and the bass drum it's a super hypnotic groove so let's check that out just the ride cymbal hi-hat and bass drum Now, you wouldn't have an Elvin Jones groove if there weren't some triplets being filled in. And what he does in the second bar is he surrounds beats. It's on beat two, he plays two triplets with the left hand. And on beat three, he just plays the middle triplet with the left hand to lead into the bass drum. He's effectively filling out around beats two and three with all the triplets with the left hand. It's kind of harder to explain than it is to just demonstrate, so let me try playing it. I'm only going to add the left hand in the second bar, we're not going to do the first bar yet. I'm going to add another left hand note in the second bar. It's going to be the third triplet partial off of beat one. So we're kind of filling in all the triplets from the end of one to the end of the measure. The last thing to do in my version of this is to put the snare drum in the first bar on the end of two with a little bit of an accent. Boom, two, boom, boom, Let's try that. So that's pretty much the full Elven pattern that I've kind of distilled into a two bar repetitive groove. So let's play that up to speed.
0: One,
1: two, three. And once I had that kind of flowing, feeling comfortable, then I just started moving the left hand around and it kind of became, again, an Elvin Jones-inspired 3-4 or 6-4, almost kind of Latin-y sounding thing. I don't think he actually plays anything like this on the record, I could be wrong, but I'm just moving the left hand between the snare and toms to kind of create this loping um, triplet groove. So here's my full version of My Favorite Things, originally played by Elvin Jones.
0: 1 two, three. <laughs> One, two,
1: three. So obviously, that's just one variation. That whole record has it's just full of great ideas. Um, so give that record a listen. It's one of my all-time favorite albums. It's very um, palatable, especially if you're not a huge fan of of jazz, because they vamp over one chord for most of the soloing. So it kind of you're not hearing all these chord changes that are confusing. You really can just sit in the pocket. It's a great one to play along to. Um, I would love to see some of your versions of that groove. That's just my version of it. So if you have any ideas, shoot them over to at drumcandypodcast.gmail.com and we'll share them on the show. All right, I hope you got something out of that. I didn't go too fast for you. I'm probably going to transcribe all that stuff and make it an actual article on Drum Factor Direct's website here shortly. But I th- hopefully I broke it down. If you have any questions, just, you can always hit me up at at uh, drumcandypodcast.gmail.com. And we're going to be doing more of these lessons. I'm trying to get Throck and, and Tom in here to do some lessons as well. So yeah, that's our lesson segment. Um, let's answer a couple of listener questions, probably just one. I have a whole stack of listener questions here. Um, some of these I might have answered in previous episodes, but um, I just want to go back through in case you missed it. This first one here. Um, and by the way, if you have any questions for the show, you can always either email me directly, drumcandypodcast at gmail.com, or you can also hit me up on the Drum Factory Direct socials, which is just at Drum Factory Direct, or my personal socials at Mike Dawson Drums. Send me some questions. We'll get to them on the show. So this first question here is from Gordon K. He says, your early episodes on the snare reno got me making plans for my first snare drum, which was a 1989 steel Yamaha Power V, Um, that was actually in two rehearsal fires. It was also relegated to a timbali roll, which I did that as well with my Acrylite, which I think is what broke the lugs when I was in high school. It says, I'm all in on new heads, wires, and plastic washers. Beyond that, I would love to get a new throw-off, hoops, and any other recommendations to get this drum really happening without going crazy high-end. So that's the important part. The Yamaha Power-V steel snare, it's not a super valuable drum, so I wouldn't... I wouldn't spend a ton of money on this thing. I think you just wanna get it functional and tunable and give you the most versatile sound. So the first thing that I would do, as far as the throw off, if the throw off that's on there isn't working right, replace it. If it's working fine, don't mess with it. Um the big thing with throw offs is you gotta measure the hole spacing from the center of one hole to the center of the other hole because all the throw offs are different. And then just go to drumfactorydirect.com and you can you can see which ones will actually fit the drum you have. Pretty much anything that we have available would be a good choice. Um, hoop wise, you could do a couple things. The most bang for your buck, you could just replace the hoops with the 1.6 millimeter hoops, which are thinner steel. They're gonna let the drum open up more and have a slightly softer feel, and they're really affordable. So you could do that. Or if you're a really hard hitter and you're afraid you might dent those hoops, which you have to be a extremely hard hitter to do that? Um, 2.3 steel, can't go wrong. Just new hoops are going to make it easier to tune. Um, you won't have any of those rust spots if you got any of that going on. Beyond that, if you want to bring some like special character to this drum, you might want to try die cast hoop just on top. That will make it give it a lot of attack. It'll kind of control it a bit. Um, get you closer to like a like a Chad Smith real kind of popping snare drum sound diecast hoops can be a bit more expensive. So that's just how much are you really interested in investing in this but I wouldn't worry about diecast on the bottom just on top. Um, what else heads um, I think in our Renault we ended up landing on a UV one Evans UV one great head it'll last forever sounds great easy to tune bottom head. Um, evans 300 remo hazy ambassador just any any kind of standard medium weight snare side head would be good Um, wires you might be tempted to go with a super wide wires like a 42 strand or something but my guess is the snare beds on that particular shell were not um, super great because it's a cheaper drum and it might be narrow So I would go with with 16 or 20 strand wires, nothing more than that. Maybe just a regular old 1420, just the steel. Um, We have the the German style, which has the phosphor bronze end plates. Those are really nice. Um, Just normal wires is all you really need. Um, And I think other than that, yeah, you'll be good to go. Um, Just, you know, make sure that your tension rod receivers, the um, swivel nuts are all good. If any of those are stripped, you can replace those. Um, You know, there's all little things you can you can replace tension rods if they are starting to rust. But I would just start with hoops, wires, a throw off if you need it, and the new heads and just see what you get. Um, And let me know, send us a send us an audio sample of this thing once you get it rolling, if you haven't already, because again, this came in a while ago, my apologies. So thank you, Gordon. Um, Yeah, let's save the rest for later. Let's get to the next segment, which is our Warehouse Pick of the Week. This week's warehouse pick of the week is actually should be called Why the heck is this still here? This is a five and a half by 14 um, 8 ply maple, all maple shell by Bucks County Drums. Eight lugs, um, natural satin finish, um, 2.3 steel hoops, single ply Evans G1 batter, um, 300 snare side and uh, the 20 strand snappy snares. Why is this thing still here? We've dropped the price on this thing. Um, we're just saving ten percent for the time being. It is five hundred and thirty-nine ninety-nine. Regular um, six hundred dollar drum. You will not find a better handmade wooden snare drum um, at that price for sure, and maybe not at all. Um, we did a bunch of demos with this. There's there's like studio demos over on Drum Factory Direct's website. Um, this drum was featured in the episode where Carter McLean, when we did the maple snare drum shootout, it was the winner. So why is it still here? If you need, I feel like everyone needs a premium maple snare drum as a centerpiece of your collection. Um, five and a half by 14 happens to be, in my opinion, the most versatile size because you can tune it high, you can tune it low, you can hit it hard, you can hit it light. It kind of does everything. It serves as a good centerpiece workhorse for pretty much any application, then you can build your collection out from there. You might be saying, well, my kit came with a wooden snare drum. Why would I get another one? Um, Not all wooden snare drums, especially not all maple snare drums are built alike. Um, The quality of the maple can be very different. The way that they're constructed can be very different. We know that this is premium maple, handmade. Um, Chris Carr at Buck County does make his own shells. He cuts all the edges himself. This is all one man produced this amazing drum. And I'm gonna just play it and a couple different tunings so you can hear it. And then one of you needs to buy this sucker. So right now it is tuned high, as high as I ever tune a snare drum. Um, It's fundamental note, G sharp, if you care. It's just below the point of choking. So let's have a listen. the wires tension really tight too. So let me try backing off the wires so you get a little bit more sloppy sound out of it. That to me tuned like that, awesome for a Steve Jordan kind of funky groovy thing or with the wires tighter, amazing, really sensitive, articulate, kind of jazz, low volume drum. Um, So let's detune it a bit. So I'm gonna take it down. We're just gonna go down in half steps quickly. So that was G sharp. We'll see what it goes down to G and then we'll play it again. That right there is the tuning that I would use on most of my normal gigs that cover a wide range of sounds. Maybe put a tiny little bit of dampening on it, but I'm not going to dampen it. It's wide open. I should also add one overhead mic, bass drum mic that's in front of the bass drum, and then a little bit of a Yamaha EAD10 to add it out. That's that's all you're hearing in the mix. So no close mics. So let's go down another half step. This will put us to F sharp. This is where the drum starts to open up. The shell starts to vibrate more. It's getting a longer note, a little bit more fatness, starting to sound a little bit like a conga drum or like a a high tom, so let's play it. That is where I would have this drum set up for a recording session, when I want a little bit more flavor, a little bit more variety. For live gigs, I tune a little bit higher because I want to kind of control the snare drum a little bit more for different rooms, but if I want to put mics on it. I want to have some character. It's really starting to open up, but still sounds really crisp, really controlled, even with no dampening. Let's go down another half step. Okay, we are at F. It's really starting to get to the, the middle and maybe slightly below the medium register of the drum. Really getting a lot more shell activation, longer note. Um, Let's check it out. another amazing studio sound more fatness maybe for slower tempos but you know the depth keeps it pretty quick and punchy let's see if we can get another half step out of it go down to an E this time all right now we're into that kind of specialty snare drum sound that compressed kind of punchy gushy sound i did tighten the wires a little bit and i am also going to put um, a little bit this is a drum wallet dampening we'll sit that on there just to tighten it up a bit and let's hear what we got I think we could go even lower, but we're going to stop there, because at that point, you're just getting into different degrees of the gushy sound. So that is this week's Warehouse Pick of the Week. Again, that's a 5 x 14 Bucks County Prime Series 8-ply maple snare drum. You are not going to find a better sounding or better made drum at this price point. Uh, you might find some drums even twice as much. So get it while still available for $539.99 over at drumfactordirect.com. You can build out your professional snare drum collection with this as your centerpiece and you'll be good to go. All right, that is it for episode one of season five. It's good to be back. I'm feeling exhausted from talking so much. I will hopefully get my bearings back on how to do this. If you have any suggestions or requests for the show, hit me up, at gmail.com. Can't thank you enough. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star rating. Uh, Write a review in the comment section. That does a whole lot for getting the show to rank higher on different lists. And then people search for drums and drum and and whatever. We want every drummer in the world to know the show exists. And we can't do that without your help. So thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.